0: I didn't tell you what the title of my sermon was going to be, but I've got three words. And the first one I think is definitely awake is right now. The first one is stay awake. (laughs) I don't think anybody's asleep this morning here. The second one is stay alert. We must be alert today. And more than anything else, we've got to stay connected. To, make, to stay connected to Jesus, to his word, and to our fellowship, one another. We need everything to keep us going in these days. And I woke up earlier this morning. And I, I don't know where, but something's young gave me on. She said to me, she said, late at night? She says, you know, we, we really need to look at this. And I said, no, I really need to go to sleep but I looked at it this morning and it's quite interesting in what I was reading I came to Proverbs 14.12 and if you read it in different versions it says this one version says there is a way that appears to be right but in the end it leads to death so then I'm at it in the New King James Version. There is a way that seems right to a man or a woman, I'm sure. But in the end, its way leads to death. And then, you know, you look on the little side references to it and say, well, if there's another. It leads somewhere else. So I read Proverbs 16, 25. And guess what it says? There is a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to death. The same proverb appears twice. And I think, wow, that's a bit what I'm going to talk about this morning. Maybe a way. We may see things in our culture that may seem right. And maybe we. We may want to jump on board, but be alert, be careful, because it can lead to death. we were in North Carolina in 2016, we went to the beach of North Carolina with my family there. If you've ever been to anybody ever been to the beach of North Carolina, my family. (laughs) Nice sand. Nice blue ocean. I remember when I first took down there, there, before we married. I threw in the ocean. I didn't know she couldn't swim very (laughs) well. Nice sand. But also something that's nice is the forest. Nice green pine trees together, not individually, stuck together. And while I was driving along the coast. I looked at the pine trees and they were dying. Many of them were totally dead. And I wondered. I didn't see any evidence of a forest fire. That's what you usually see when you see a forest uh, forest dying, dead. I didn't see any sun of it. And I wondered, what on earth killed this forest? And it wasn't until last week. Found out the answer. There's a person I listen to, thank you to Judith to give me this website or this app. The person I listen to is Dr. Ed Young Senior. I love to listen to his messages. And he was giving a sermon on the ghost forest. I was like, I wonder what the ghost forest is. And he started talking about have you ever been to North Carolina? He said, well, I said, well, i little this and this. And he was talking about all the trees in North Carolina. You know, there are more different varieties and colors of trees in North Carolina than any other state in America. I didn't know that. But then he said, in 2015, Hurricane Irene blasted the coast of North Carolina, and 21 thousand acres of pine forest were destroyed. Now these are sturdy trees. They have flexible branches, and as a forest stuck together, they can withstand up to 80 miles an hour wind without any problem. So it wasn't the wind that caused the death. It wasn't the rain that caused That to die was the salt in the flooding seawaters. This salt got into the roots, got into the trees, and contaminated the fresh living water that gave them life. And researchers, I look at it, if you want to know. You go on to Google or go on to YouTube and put ghost forest, and you find. I went on, and there was CNN there showing pictures of the forest, and no, I thought, Wow, this is talking about um, But they revealed, the researchers revealed, that the salt moves into the trees, and it draws water out of the plant cells. It strips the seeds of their moisture, therefore stunting their growth. And these trees didn't die instantly, but over time, death became almost. And this made me begin to think about the church. And I'm not talking about the building. This building is going to stand for a long time. I'm talking about what the church is. The churches of people. That's us in this building. And I began to wonder what kind of salt could contaminate that living source of water that Jesus promised us in John 7, 38. Where he said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. That's what we want, isn't it? We want that living water to constantly flow in us and out. what could ever cause us to compromise our faith. And one of the songs we were singing when the enemy attacks us, when compromise comes our way, we have to declare with all our heart, I will live. I will not die. The resurrection, resurrection power of Christ lives in me. We need to repeat that. We need to say that to ourselves. So with this thought in mind, I came up with a definition of compromise as it relates to a faith. I believe it means to make concessions contrary to your belief in an effort to stay connected with a person or group of people. A bit like giving in to the pressure of our culture in order to be accepted. And today I believe we have a spirit of compromise invading our churches like a hurricane. And over time, the abundant life promised to Jesus in John 1010 could be a thing of the past for many. There's a book coming out in September, which I saw And the title is called The Great Church*, And in it, the authors explain why, why 40 million adult Americans who used to go to church don't go anymore. I wonder if the same would be true to the United Kingdom. I don't know these statistics that much, but I don't see lots of growth and lots of churches. I see it here and May it long last, first So I thought about this business of compromise, And I thought, well, why don't we look at a few examples of compromise in the Bible to see if there's anything that could help us, that could help us prepare. And you know, the Boy Scout motto is be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared for what's coming. Stay alert. Don't go to sleep. Stay awake. Stay connected. I came across a saying, which I've never seen before. One thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. When you look at Second Kings 17, I'm not going to read all that, but I'm going to read a couple of verses. We learned that despite the Lord's warnings and discipline, the people worshipped other gods along with the Lord. These chosen people of God had been easily influenced by the culture they came in contact. Verse 7 states that the people of God sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them out of the land of Egypt where they'd been in captivity for four hundred and thirty years. And you wonder, how could these people who had been released from this captivity ever be subject to compromise? How could that be? Verse 8 tells us, they lived according to the customs of the nations that the Lord had driven off Verse 9 says, They secretly did things the Lord said were not right." Like. How on earth can they think it could it? it can do it secretly. Now, you can't have a secret sin, can you? You may hide it from anybody else, but God sees everything, doesn't He? Verse 15 says, They followed worthless irons, and became worthless themselves, following the surrounding nations. The Lord had commanded them not to end And then verse 20 is a sad verse. It tells us that the cause of their evil ways, the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, punished them, and handed them over to the corner until He banished them from His presence. Oh! Nothing could be worse than to be banished from the presence of the living God. I would not be able to live if I didn't have the presence of the living God. I'm not clever enough to know how to do it otherwise. So it sounds to me there that God does not like compromise. Would you agree? In the Old Testament, he does not compromise. And if you're not convinced, Look at what Isaiah 28 prophesied. This people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commanded from God. These people were very religious in their activities. This attended the synagogues on a regular basis. They sang the songs with great vigor. They had no room. They of evil practices going on around them in their culture So I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact brothers and sisters that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea they all ate the same spiritual food drank the same spiritual drink so they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to us to keep from setting our hearts on evil things they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as the people sat down to eat and drink and got up and indulged in milk We should not commit sexual immorality as if some of them did. And in one day, 20,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by destroying anger. These things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the age has come. So if you think you're standing firm be careful that you do not fall. That was what he was talking to the church there. And if you look at 2 Corinthians I'm not going to read that. They had to learn from these. In fact, Paul had to admonish them for their evil practices. And time really doesn't allow us to look at the letters that that Jesus wrote to the churches in Revelation, the seven churches. It makes for interesting reading. Christ knew everything about them. Nothing was hidden from him. Where they had done good, he commended them for life. But he didn't hide his disapproval of five of the seven churches. Compromise would not do it. Compromise will never please God. And Christ pleaded for them to change their ways, to return to a wholehearted. Faithless, and He gave them a chance to repent and change their ways, time and time again. If you look at the Old Testament, the history of people that had gone away, they got in bad ways. They called out to God, He restored them. They called out to God, He restored them. They called out to God, He restored them. Restore them. They did not learn that they wouldn't have to be calling out that way if they did what God told them to do. I wonder what he would say to the churches today. I wonder what Jesus would have to say even to us here in Eastern Europe. So, how does compromise begin? And Greg Laurie, who, if any of you, Jesus Revolution, the film that was out recently, uh, found out this week it's gonna be on Netflix at the end of the month. And it was back in the 70s, back in California, happened to be living there at the time, just about to leave there during um, those years, late 60s and 70s, and Gregory was very much involved with a group of people there. And this is what he has to say. Compromise begins with leaving your first love for Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus said to the Ephesian church, wasn't it? You have lost your first love. And by doing so, that will lead to compromise, which then leads to forth to immorality, idolatry, and over-sins. That's quoting Greg White. So how, how can compromise come into a church in England? How does it come? I've got a few suggestions. And I'm saying these suggestions for us to be cautious, to be alert, and stay connected to the truth. When a church feels the need to dilute the truth of the word of God in order to fit into the culture, so if we we'll dilute the word of God just to get people coming to church, just to try to connect them and please them, is not going to be good. That's going to be to compliment. When a church aims to keep people happy and never risk upsetting anyone, might be tempted to bend the word or maybe leave out a few sentences that might make people a little bit uneasy. When churches try to reach and keep people coming by using worldly methods, I'm sure we've seen some of this. We've certainly seen it on in television. When churches emphasize feelings and emotions above the truth of the Word of God, compromise can drift into the church. And I think today, if we look around, we can see evidence of that happening in some churches. So what can we do to stand against the strong hurricane cultural forces that will seek to destroy us. Let's look at Colossians 2 verse 68. You know the word of God is active and alive. It's real. And it says so much to say to us if we take time to read it. And by doing so you will not read Colossians and it's talking about spiritual fullness in Christ so then just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord continue to live your lives in Him rooted and built up in Him strengthened in the faith that you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through horror and deceptive philosophies which depend on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of the world rather than Christ. Continue to live now. Put in the effort to grow your roots grow deep. It's not going to happen on our Put in the efforts to build yourself up and remain teaching. Be open to the Holy Spirit to teach. Sometimes we can be so fixed in what we believe that we miss out what maybe the Holy Spirit wants to tell us. When we're actively pursuing a deeper relationship with God and obeying what He says, then compromise is far less. Keeping that relationship is not good. Because there's good news this morning. If we look over in 2 Peter, praise God he didn't leave us helpless to face the violence of compromise on our own. 2 Peter 1.3 says this. And God entitled Confirming One's calling in Election. And we've got to believe what's written in the scriptures about us. His divine power has given us everything we need for God in life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory goodness. Through these, he has given us very great, precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires." Isn't it wonderful that God has provided us with the power to resist compromise? And let's find Philippians 2.13. You know, this message is repeated in lots of different places in the world. And this is good. Philippians 2.13 Listen to this. For it is God who works in you to will fulfill his good purposes. It's God working in us to fulfill his purposes. So we are his vessels. We are his body on the, church, on the earth. Without grownness, so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God who have this are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like the star in by holding the form of word of life. And I'm going to be concluding with uh, something that Max Lucado said. If unusual religious rituals have made you feel uneasy or scholars have put your mind in a maze, don't be troubled. Keep your focus on Christ through prayer, through Bible reading, through Christian fellowship. Three sources of life for us there. Keeping our focus on Christ through prayer, probably the Christian tradition. I think I found the left page because I left out something. But I changed it this morning. So, in order to do that, we need to remind ourselves. Who we are, according to Scripture. It's very good to think who we are. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm learning to speak English. It takes me a while, but I'm learning. I'm a pretty good guy. don't think my wife. Right? But you know, all of those things don't mean anything what it goes to God. Because he would just be I I think. But, it, it, it. but this is what we've got to remember. In 2 Corinthians 6.18, we're told, we are sons and daughters of a living God. That's who we are. If we believe in Jesus, we are sons and daughters of a living God. You need to remind yourself, be with us. I'm a son and a daughter. son and daughter. It doesn't say son and daughter plus. It says son and daughter other than daughter. Secondly, in Matthew 5, 13, we are the salt and the light our culture needs today. Let's not let the salt of compromise overtake us and destroy us. But let the salt and light within us Go in the community. And then this is real fantastic. This is how we can do it. 2 Corinthians 3 2 says, We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be living epistles, read by them. The Holy Spirit, not the culture. The Holy Spirit is the only source of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wouldn't our culture be different if those qualities were seen everywhere? But you know it's got to be, we can't say the culture you've got to do this, got to start with us, haven't huh? we? We've got to choose to let the fruit of the Holy Spirit develop in us. And that takes time. It's not going to be overnight, certainly in my case. But that's the the key to reaching the culture with real life. So when we go up, let us, first of all, allow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to rule and reign in our lives every day. Let's make sure we're connected with him every morning. Let's sure we pray, Lord, well, this is your day. Help me to put to death self and let me move. And then let us go out, open to the Holy Spirit, ready to move. a few years ago at this church, at Easter time. You may remember, we took little cards and chocolates to distribute them around the neighbors. Anybody remember that? Look, so my, one person remembers. So I took some around my neighbors. I've been praying for my neighbors quite a while, but I took one up to this house I have never been to, and on the door no one came, so I put the cars and I put the chocolate down on the ground. And as I was walking away, the girl that came open, and one looked out to me and said, thank you, thank you so much. I didn't think of that I you, it was the last house I was ready for lunch when I back home. That's when this neighbor came by and take some photographs of the poppies in the front garden. And I knew I thought, I saw it from inside, I didn't go out and tell her she took photos, the next day she came down and took more photographs. And so I saw a in Wake Rose on Friday, I thought, I found out that you've done an art class with Cutie. CUNY. Cutie's a very good artist, I said you, she says you do. a great artist. She said, well I do enjoy a good art artist, I said, well wait, I'll have to see that sometime. So she gave me a phone number, and said, but then she said, she said, you know, a couple years ago, we first moved in and you put some chocolate on my order. And when I opened up the chocolate and started eating my flooded with tears. and somebody loved us enough to put chocolate Now, I'm not boasting that I was doing far in the water in the hierarchy the church. That's what we were doing. think when you go out every morning, there may be a smile, or maybe a greeting, or maybe not.